So I, I would say you start with the why. You get them to understand why they are going to do this. Why or what is their driving force? And you get them to make they write that down every single day when they wake up. It could be, we actually, in, our, in, our, in this, this course that I'm creating, we're creating a booklet where they're going to do that every single morning. So you have the booklet, eight-week program, and every morning you go there, very easy. It takes about five minutes. You just write down and you feel it. You don't just write it down. You actually get your emotions involved, seeing yourself for the end goal, feeling how that is going to feel for yourself and really helping your, your cells and your whole being understand where it's going. And that, number one, that just starts, starts you on your process. Then to put in some sort of a routine that is going to, so you, we put in two. One where you have find yourself in a, 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 your, your standard morning where, okay, I can put this stuff in, here it is. And then you put a, a shortened routine in just in case there's not enough time, you got an early meeting, you woke up late, whatever the case is, something where you can still get the most out of the morning, even if you've made a mistake or you've, you've, you've pushed for time. So you can still get your cold shower in, your sun exposure, your coffee, whatever the case is. We, you need to create that morning routine just to kickstart the day. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Reinvent Health Podcast. Here we get to chat to some of the world's most interesting and influential people about everything to do with physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. If you want to make healthy changes and live a better life, you are in the right place. Please don't forget to rate, leave a review, and share with everyone who wants to live their best life. And now your host, Nikki Robertson. Many of us, at least those who listen to this show, have come across the term biohacking. But what is biohacking really? According to Google, biohacking means changing your chemistry and your physiology through science and self-experimentation to increase energy and vitality. In today's show, I chat with Mark Derovia, founder of Thrive Labs, South Africa's first one-stop biohacking facility, offering everything from infrared saunas, ice baths to hyperbaric chamber, vitamin drips and ozone therapy, and a whole lot more. We discuss what it means to find your why and how to begin making sustainable healthy changes for a better way of life. we find hope in each other. So when you listen to someone's story, like your story and realize that it just takes, it's, it's, it's an internal conversation you need to have with yourself, but there's always a way out and finding your passion is one of the keys to, to coming right. So won't you launch us into how you came to be, well, to create a business that is South Africa's first and probably only real biohacking facility. What, what, were the events in your life that led you to this point? To be honest, I think throughout my childhood, I was always interested in health and sports and kind of being sporty. And I was never any good at being at, at, at any sports. You know, I like played B team rugby and fourth team uh, cricket. And, um, you know, I had a bit of success with tennis, uh, but never really kind of amounted to anything. And there was no real direction. Um, there was no kind of formal training um, or understanding of health. I never actually even chose to do biology, funnily enough, in um, in school. And then um, I think I kind of tried to chase the money and, and studied uh, mechanical engineering. Uh, but halfway through my degree, I my parents had passed away in the tsunami wow. in Thailand yeah. in 2000. So that, that hit hard. 
um, and huge changes, uh, you know, came over me. I started actually experimenting with drugs or probably a little bit deeper than experimenting. Um, I never got to the point of any sort of addiction, but I was certainly on a down, downward spiral towards something, uh, you know, that, that probably could have ended up in that. And, um, yeah, I, so I think after the first year, something kind of just hit me and I, I started to realize that there was something seriously wrong, especially looking down and seeing my belly was not getting all chubby and not something I'd kind of had experienced before. So, um, so I started looking at kind of different forms of exercise and, uh, and came across a martial art called capoeira. So I started training that. I mean, the first time I went there, it, it just completely blew my mind. The, yes. the combination of basically it's, it's dance, like break dance type movements with self-defense, crazy kicks, um, uh, a lot of acrobatics and flips. There's also music, quite cultural music, drumming, um, and it all kind of comes together to form this martial arts. It's actually 400 years old. Some people are like, oh, you know, it's quite new. It's not. It's actually been around for 400 years. Um, yeah. So you traveled to Brazil to to study capoeira? So I have. Uh, I actually started off probably the first five years of training. It was all South African based. I never went over to Brazil until much later. But having Portuguese heritage, it was obviously that that also drew me in because of the language. And I've always wanted to learn the language. It was never actually taught to me by my parents. My parents couldn't actually speak. They were never taught. So, uh, yeah, then later on, I started spending a lot more time uh, studying the language. And obviously, that also motivated me, obviously, doing the, the actual uh, training and wanting to upgrade my training and train with the best. Obviously, the best being in Brazil. And then also just to get my language up. So, in that time, you know, I've, I've been training that for now 17 years. Um, I've learned the language. I can speak well, pretty fluently. Um, I'd still like to better it, of course, just like the martial art itself. Um, but that really catapulted me into understanding that this is a space that I wanted to be in. Okay. I'm really, really interested in, in uh, you know, th that kind of gave me foundations for understanding health and how to get fit and movement and understanding the body a bit more. So, yeah, and then a bit later on, um, I started teaching probably about three years after I started. I picked it up very well. And I think obviously because of the death of my parents, I, 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 there was, this just made me focus and I just put all my attention into this uh, martial art that just gave me so much fulfillment. So um, all my energy went into that. And I, I, uh, when I started teaching, I went and I did a personal training course just to kind of understand the body better, understand nutrition better, help my students more. Um, so that I can give them the most and also get the most out of my body so that I can um, so I can be, you know, at, at the best possible level that I could possibly. And, I mean, this went on for a while, but it's still, it, it never, ever, ever really held me, the, the personal training side of things. It was kind of too generic. It was too run-of-the-mill. There were too many... Um, uh, ideas that differed from other people and doctors and uh, this nutritionist and calorie deficit this and keto that and high carb this. Yeah. So, you know, you're getting all this information and you just you didn't know, you couldn't, couldn't tell the wood from the trees. It's not sustainable as a lifestyle. So yeah, you've, you've got to keep searching. But just before we continue, I want to step back a little bit and really understand, you know, what, I mean, how old were you when your parents passed away in what was an incredible tragedy. How, you know, where were you in your sort of path in life? You said you were in varsity. What age were you then? I was 20. And actually, 
so I'd, I'd spent my first year out out of varsity uh, out of school. I went to London um, and spent some time there. And my mom, I remember, she called me and said, "Listen, uh, one of my brother's friends had actually passed away. He had fallen off an escalator." Wow. Um, yeah, in the Cloisters Centre in Ravonia. Wow. Um, she phoned me. She's like, you know, life is too short. I want you here. Like, I need to, you know, you know one of us could die tomorrow. So I just I want you here. So come come home. So I started, after six months, I came home. Yeah, and then a year and a half later, they passed away. That is, it's it's almost unbelievable how how insane, you know, these are the things of our worst nightmares. And then... Yeah sometimes you sit with all these nightmares coming true. So, I mean, naturally you would go into a, a severe grief process and a decline. What was it for you that you mentioned you sort of went down the drug wormhole and what was that at what point during that um, coming to terms with what life had literally thrown at you that you started looking up and, you know, found that strength in yourself to to get out of there sure um i kind of feel that we've always had the strength okay uh, to be honest because they had gone away and they were on holiday and they never came back it always just felt like they were on an extended holiday so uh, it never really it never really hit me until yeah. probably about 11 months later you know i think november or the year after and and that was so the whole year. I remember I was like sweating profusely. Like I was, I didn't know what was going on. I had terrible flatulence. I would literally clear rooms. I know not, not fantastic uh, podcast conversation, but but it, it was the reality. And and I didn't know what was going on. And I went to go. My brother got into more spiritual kinesiology, Reiki, that sort of thing. Um, and I'd gone to see doctors, and they're like, "There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. You're fine." Um, and this lady, I went to go see her and she, um, she said to me, I explained the whole situation to her and she said, you know, like if I give you a fright, you get a big shock, your body goes into the sympathetic nervous system, into fight or flight, and then you see me and you're like, oh, it's just you and your body calms down back to parasympathetic or somewhere in between. Obviously, we're not always in a yeah. parasympathetic because um, we don't train it. But um, what she said happened was I got a massive fright. And that fright, there was nothing to say, you can calm down, everything is actually okay. So I was literally in fight or flight. My whole body was in survival mode for over a year. Good heavens. Yeah, she said, all you have to do now is go and just say to yourself as many times a day, whenever you remember, Mark, you are safe. I am safe. I am okay. I, Mark, am safe. I, Mark, am okay. And literally, Nikki, within, um, within seven days, I, everything had just changed. My my sweating had calmed down my flatulence had completely disappeared it was like just a magic switch just just the just the choice of words and and understanding what had happened changed you know completely changed my situation on on a nervous level okay and i think that also like really um pricked my ears up because never before had i been um uh, you know, I never have. I, I'd, I'd never seen or experienced anything like that. Everything was, you know, you go to the doctor. The doctor gives you samples and this and that. There was yeah. no no understanding of that psychology and and kind of um, the relationship. You know, that the energetic relationship, emotional, mental, physical relationships, and stuff like that. So, yeah. so all of this was like completely new to me. And the fact that in seven days I could do something that was bothering me for like twelve months, thirteen months, phenomenal. 
flash forward to 2019, 2020, and the next wave of, I don't know, the rug pulled out from underneath us yeah. all. What what was happening there? Um, yeah, so, I mean, the, the Capoeira school was going so well. We had almost 100 students. It was fantastic. And then... Um, yeah, COVID came and wiped us, as we all know. It just wiped the floor with us uh, on so many different levels. And I was sitting at about 77 kilograms. Even with all my knowledge and everything, my understanding of what nutrition was, my understanding of exercise and the lifestyle and all the rest of it. I was like, I do cup wear. I train my butt off five times a week. I'm training 12 hours. I can eat whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and um, and I, someone had mentioned intermittent fasting to me here and then I'd kind of dabbled with it, but nothing. Like I had no idea what the benefits were. It was just, uh, yeah, just one of those things. Then lockdown happened and as 90% of the population, the, the world's population went indoors and they just started smashing food in their face. Uh, so my girlfriend is Greek and um, I, I learned to make a, it's like a custard tart, like a custard oh, yes. low pastry. It's delicious. So I was making that like every three days. Over and over and over. It was, it was amazing. And we'd be watching movies and then we'd do our online classes and stuff. So we're still getting our exercise. And I think our mental health was saved, definitely. I mean, a lot of people. Because we were still getting our training done. We'd have to move all the, the couches and the rug and the, the tables and stuff just so we had some space to do it. So I had a, 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 one of those banner walls I would put up as a backdrop and then we'd have all the kids training. Well, training. And then like, yeah, to try to control that is ridiculous. Yeah, I know. That's like hurting cats, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but the adults, I mean, everyone got some really good training in um, during that time because it's really intensive. It's just consistent, continuous for an hour. Just, it was really great. Um, but I was introduced, my brother, you know, my brother was such an influential part of this whole next step. Um, just he he was listening to podcasts. I was I like I'd heard about podcasts. I wasn't really that interested in listening to them. Um, and he was like, no, I listen. I listened to this podcast, and this guy was talking about this uh, Wim Hof. And then I watched this uh, documentary on um, on uh, Goop Lab on Netflix with Gwyneth Paltrow, and it was amazing. And this you must watch it. You must watch it. So I was like, oh, I mean, I've got time to watch it. So instead of watching Avengers yeah. for the fiftieth time. Um, I, yeah, I, me and my girlfriend watched it and I was so blown away. So we started practicing. We did the, the 30 day uh, um, challenge that he's got on there with the cold showers and stuff like that. And we started um, kind of experimenting with it. I mean, my brother was sending me his results, I was sending him my results on the app. And, uh, you know, eventually we got up to holding our breath for two minutes on the out breath. You know, so it's a, and then as the, on that last breath, you do 30 of those, take a big breath in and then you breathe out to neutral and then you hold. And we were getting okay. to two minutes after a while, you know, obviously you train first, you can't even get to a minute. Um, and then you keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And then uh, illegally, um, it was completely against the law. I mean, I went and uh, slept at my brother's house during lockdown. Like Terrible, oh, hey? <laughs> terrible stuff. So, um, and then uh, we were like, well, let's jump in the pool in the middle of May. We checked the temperature, it was probably about 12 degrees. We hopped in there two minutes. I thought I was going 
to die. Yeah. Uh-huh. But when I got out, I felt amazing. Yes. And then we just kept on doing it and kept on doing it. And all the way through winter, started mm-hmm. doing that. And then and then he came to me again and he said to me, there's um, this book. Also, I heard about it on a podcast. It's called Superhuman. You've got re- to read this book. It is incredible. So I, I got it on Audible and I started listening to it, Superhuman by Dave Asprey. And this literally just changed my life. Yeah. And that was my introduction into biohacking and I just ate it up. I listened to that book three times within two months, just trying to get all this information right down. I was making notes, but not for any particular. I had no idea that Thrive was going to be born from this. But I just, I was so interested in this information. I think mainly because my girlfriend's like 14 years younger than me. (laughs) And (laughs) because... Uh, like cupware means so much to me and my advancement in cupware you know I'm, I'm approaching 40 now and I want to get the most out of it yeah I, I think Dave Asprey was a pivotal turning point for many of us in the health industry whether you are you accept sort of the high fat product and yeah it does work for many people and the I mean bulletproof coffee is is a thing all over the world now. Um, whether he actually created it mm. is irrelevant. He made it famous. But it was it was one of those pivot points, I think, for the health industry. And he was definitely or is an utter pioneer in getting people to think out of the box. And as you know, credit where it's due. He has spawned so many industries from I think his own, I think it was his own health difficulties and frustration at the information that was out there or not there. And a lot of us in this industry, especially in the functional medicine field and the biohacking world, really came from frustration, from not finding answers, from having to experiment on ourselves to figure out what's going to work and digging into ancient ways and ancient traditions and really going back to what human beings were designed to be doing in the first place. So it's really fascinating to sit back and watch. I feel that that is, um, you know, going back to those ancestral practices has been kind of uh, um, facilitated by the effect that nature has had on on our health and like realizing what those benefits are. Then you think, okay, well, if nature is producing all of these benefits for us without any technology, without anything, what else were the guys back then doing? What else were they doing that, that we're missing today? I mean, there's uh, they, they found that um, there's, there's species in our microbiome that are completely missing. If, if you go to kind of more... Um, wow. Uh, you know, rural uh, yes. tribes and, and bush tribes and stuff like that throughout Africa and um, and the Americas, the kind of more native people, they literally have bugs in their microbiome that you cannot find in us. And yes. we should have them, essentially. We're missing them completely due to following the wrong, the wrong yeah. uh, diets and ideas and taking all the medications and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think it was post-World War II where we started really damaging ourselves and creating artificial environments and becoming out of tune with the natural circadian rhythms, which dictate how hormones work, how our brains work, whether or not we live well or die of illness. And we've just kind of like... (laughs) 
you see this with COVID, how many people just blindly accept what's given to them without question. And, you know, the fallout from that has been basically terrifying to see what's happening to humanity when you when you step back and, you know, see what happens when you don't question the status quo. And for me, biohacking is about questioning, is about pushing or poking the bear and saying, mm, this isn't working. You're talking utter rot. Let's try something different and being brave enough to do yeah. that. So, you know, how is yeah. your business born from this aha moment, this, this, wow, there's another way. I mean, how did you take that, um, which is a personal journey and turn it into a business what did that take? I mean, that must have taken enormous resources, huge amount of guts to just go out there and go, you know what, South Africa's ready for this. Um, let's go do it. I think it kind of worked on me being ready for it and just hoping that, that well, I, I knew that everyone needed it. So I, I actually, I tried to um, tried my hand at opening a wellness center in 2011. I uh, lost a truckload of money. Um, I just, I didn't have a good product. I didn't have a good concept. And again, obviously my foundation and my understanding of what I wanted to create and which direction I wanted to go. Obviously there was something innate, something deep inside me that wanted to create something, but just not enough information to use. Um, and uh, when I started, you know, uh, putting all this stuff down on paper and getting an understanding of what it is, you know, it's obviously like I obviously could do the, the intermittent fasting and practice uh, sun exposure and grounding and that sort of stuff. But um, I, I, when my parents passed away, they left me a bit of money, which I bought a flat and that's kind of just been giving me a bit of annuity type income, but I, I decided to sell it um, and that money was going to come through. And I was obviously looking to reinvest it and do something with it, but I was, literally exploring all of this stuff. I wanted to get the red lights and I wanted to get ozone and I wanted to get this and that. And I was so excited and telling my brother, we're going to get this as soon as the money comes in. I was, and I was already, I'd basically already spent it. And um, he, he said to me, well, then let's, let's make a like business out of it. Let's like, but like we can use it and then, uh, but we can supply it to other sure. people. So we're not losing out on the money. Um, and I, you know, I stopped and I was like, yo, that is a really good idea. And then he pulled out and I was like, no, I'm going for this. Um, and I carried on and just pushed through. Imagine. It was extremely nerve-wracking, I must be honest. Um, especially after having a, a massive failure um, 10 years prior, or less than 10 years prior, I was you know, quite reluctant and nervous to do it. But I think, again, the, like that passion and that calling and that excitement of what I just discovered just completely took over and, and trumped any sort of because you know what you're doing is right and you know what you're doing is for the greater good and you know it's going to work and change lives and I think yeah that's the most important thing the money comes or it doesn't or it eventually does but as long as you love what you do I believe you know I, I couldn't possibly work for a company or a boss or for one day do something I didn't completely believe in um, and that's the difference. I really think that that's, that's what drives entrepreneurism. That's what keeps the economy going in times like this where everything is falling apart is, you know, especially for people listening who are at their wit's end, find what you, you, what you completely, what your soul's calling is, what you really believe in, what you're willing to work day and night for. 
because then it's 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 a labor of passion. It's not a not a job, and that gets you through even the toughest times. I agree completely. And it's uh, when when you have to work hard and when times are stressful, you know why, you know why you're still carrying on. You know, it's, I can't remember who it was, but I mean, it's said all over the place. But if you die tomorrow and you work for a boss, they're gonna like have a maybe like everyone tells everyone has a cry, and then they're gonna replace you. Finish yeah. the next day, the next week, whatever you're going to be replaced, and they're going to mm. carry on. So there's no real care for that, and I think that's also for me that that is such a driving force behind what I believe people why I believe people should follow their passion and find find mm. work and and take control of their own lives because essentially that's also biohacking. It's not only like doing yes. doing stuff at a cellular level. It's about changing your your outer environment. And in order to do that, it's about the way you work, how you work, who you work with, everything. Yes. That that whole energy about why you get up in the morning is so important for your health on an emotional, mental, physical level. And uh, yeah, we don't pay enough attention to that. So, what is biohacking then? So, you know, there's so many terms and there's so many. Ways of describing, in your words, how would, if somebody said to you, so what is biohacking? How would you answer that question? I would say um, controlling your outer environment to get the most from your inner environment. So using uh, technology and nature or, yeah, to create practices that, that essentially would help you control your mind, your body, and your soul. And when I say soul, I mean like your emotional health, your, you know, happiness, your um, just calmness, you know, removing the anxiety stuff. When I say mind, it's more about your cognitive ability, uh, focus, getting the most out of your brain, um, being able to, you know, more intelligence, more knowledge, that sort of thing. So for me, yeah, it's, it's definitely the combination of it has to be nature. Nature first for me in biohacking, that's the fundamentals. And then... You know, using the technologies like the red lights and the ice bath and the saunas and the hyperbarics and the IV drips, um, the, the the infrared headsets to help brain function, those sorts of things. That is, I mean, those are amazing technologies, but you've got to get the fundamentals right, you know, like just basics and hydration. Absolutely. Uh, we always talk in nutrition about just getting the foundation right before you start looking at supplements and fat burners and you know, what should I be doing and how long is it going to take me to lose weight? It's like, well, are you getting some sleep? Let's start with sleep. I mean, that's the most essential foundational element to getting anything in your life right. Um, and this is, you know, sleep is is very much part of the biohacking yeah, movement yeah. is optimizing yeah. sleep. Um, and it's not a case of getting quantity, it's quality. It's understanding that, you know, and when you say nature, nature and the, the sunrise, sunset cycles are almost built into our DNA that our, our every cell in the human body is literally wired to these rhythms. And I can't imagine what it must be like for people who live in cities like Hong Kong and you know, New York and these places where they don't get exposure to, you know, they just don't get out into nature, how that impacts their minds and their bodies physically. I mean, maybe they're adapted. I don't know. I can't imagine. And we are so lucky living where we do, where you can just go 10 minutes out the door and be immersed in the bush if you really want to. Um, so it's a gift to be able to do that. So how do you, if somebody had to come to your business and say, I'm at my wit's end, I'm not sleeping well, I'm exhausted, where do we start 
how do you start putting a person back together? Um, so I, I obviously, we start with what's, what, what are they doing? What is their daily routine? How do they go from day to day? What is their, essentially, even over a week, because obviously things change, especially someone that doesn't have a routine, you know, one day can be completely different to the next. And, um, you know, on that New York thing, you know, we, we sit in this and you're sitting in your office all day. You, you're not getting enough sun exposure. You're not going into nature. You kind of, and you actually do get conditioned and, and get used to it. So you, you, your body doesn't adapt. Um, it just gets worse and worse so slowly that you don't really realize. Yes. So mm. people, you know, you, I have to start shedding light on these little things. Um, and that's what we do. We find out what is going on with the person, where, you know, where their kind of weak points are. And then we chat about well, obviously starting number one, sleep. Have to, have to, have to sleep well. Um, and then helping them through that process, helping them understand they're going to bed at 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning is actually not on. You should time it with the sunrise and the sunsets. And I know it sounds crazy. And I tell people that I wake up at four o'clock every morning. They're like, are you out of your mind? But I just say, if, if you're as excited as I am about life, getting up at four is not that difficult. So how do those who are really battling with feeling powerless about, you know, changing their issue, what is the first place to start? Because saying to someone, well, you've just got to not have your meetings at six is like, well, that's a silly statement to make because it's not possible. So where can we break down these issues and start creating small habits that are easy to action that can build onto creating more habits? I think that's the way you get people to change is one tiny little bite-sized, easy-to-do thing at a time. And in your experience, how do you get people to change? So I would say you start with the why. You get them to understand why they are going to do this. Why or what is their driving force? And you get them to make they write that down every single day when they wake up. We, we actually in our in, our, in this this course that I'm creating, we're creating a booklet where they're going to do that every single morning. So you have the booklet, eight week program, and every morning you go there, very easy. It takes about five minutes. You just write down and you feel it. You don't just write it down. You actually get your emotions involved, seeing yourself for the end goal, feeling how that is going to feel for yourself, and really helping your your cells and your whole being understand where it's going. And that number one, that just starts, starts you on your process. Then to put in some sort of a routine that is going to, so you, we put in two, one where you have find yourself in a, 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 your standard morning where, okay, I can put this stuff in, here it is. And then you put a, a shortened routine in just in case there's not enough time and you've got an early meeting, you woke up late, whatever the case is, something where you can still get the most out of the morning, even if you've made a mistake or you've, you've, you've pushed for time. So you can still get your cold shower in, your sun exposure, your coffee, whatever the case is. We you need to create that morning routine just to kickstart the day. Then I would say uh, workspace uh, optimization is probably one of the most important things because you are stuck. You have to. You know, even if you start a part-time uh, business on the side, um, you, you're not going to be able to get out of your job for a year or two years, depending on how quickly you can kind of replace your income. So things like grounding mats at your desk, so sitting barefoot grounding there, having stand a stand-up desk, having a little wobble board, wearing blue light blockers, the yellow ones during the day and uh, the red ones at night, even for meetings, even if your boss is like, you look like a poopo, 
It doesn't matter. You just, you do this stuff because that would change everything. That whole, literally, the sunrise and sunset has uh, an effect on our Completely. So if you are working and you got these blue strong lights shining in your eyes, as soon as the sun goes down, if you allow it to do everything to be natural and I mean, like go a little bit caveman and, and light some candles, um, your body starts to produce melatonin just because the lights are going down. And that melatonin regulates hormones, uh, regulates sleep, regulates weight loss, regulates insulin. There's a huge amount of things that that actually helps with. Now we're sitting with a computer screen or a, a phone like blasting blue light into our eyes. So our body still thinks that, we, that, that, that the sun's up and it doesn't allow that melatonin to kick in. So I always say the single most fattening thing you can do is not sleeping enough. The second most fattening thing you can do is stare at a blue light past sunset because that's telling your body exactly that. The, the insulin signaling is going to be completely compromised. And that is the thing that tells your body to store fat. Before we start looking at food and sugar and alcohol and all that other stuff, which is very foundational, but unless you understand that um, those hormones that trigger fat storage are wired to what you're staring at, that screen and whether or not you sleep. And for many people that go, oh, no, I can't do that, it's too hard. Man, that's the easiest thing to fix. And and the thing is like they are like you can you get the glasses and you can get the you know uh, the blue light blocker on your screens and stuff like that and it absolutely helps. I mean I wear this ordering and, and I've seen the results. I've seen that it helps absolutely because it is. It's hard to unplug from society and unplug you know especially if you're starting a business like when you're going to do it. You, you've got to do it at night. You know if you've got a full time job or even if you don't. Like if you're starting a business or you you're doing something important, you're writing a book, whatever the case is. You know if you're aspiring to do something else, doing a course, or you can't get off your you can't get off the computer so you can have these yeah, sorts of things and mm. and the problem is that we've got the highest concentration of mitochondria that sits in our retina and because of that we get massive yes. amounts of mitochondrial dysfunction staring at blue lights they love red lights mm -hmm. love 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 red lights so having having that happen that's exactly what you're saying that the, the mitochondrial dysfunction in the signaling goes haywire and it has no idea what to do with uh, with itself. It doesn't know what time of day it is, what time of week, month, year. Yeah. And I mean, we see this with kids all the time. You work with kids and oh my goodness. So just to create some context for, for listeners, um, my child has always done a martial art. It's one of my rules that she may not do any, like martial art of some description comes first, whether it's karate or whatever, but she has to do a martial art. I think it was over COVID. She stopped doing Kung Fu and we were hunting for something and she's uh, she's a dancer and she just loves the gymnastic part. And we found your studio, the Capoeira. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Um, and she loves it. But watching these kids is utterly fascinating because you've got such a spectrum of different um, you know, little boys who cannot keep still to other, you know, all within the same age group to other kids who are quite calm and can focus. And I just, it makes me wonder what, uh, you know, device exposure is doing to their brains. Uh, and it's so good that they've got, I mean, in, in your um, studio, an outlet to really just go wild and, you know, get that hand-eye-body coordination going and, and sort of an outlet for this energy and this, this you can see their brains firing on so many levels. Um, but it just 
always worries me how, you know, what on the other hand are devices and screens doing to these growing brains and these endocrine systems that are in their infancy. And there's pretty much nothing we can do about it because this is, technology is here to stay. So, you know, what are your thoughts working with children? What are you seeing? Um, and ha- has it changed? So, I mean, it hasn't really, uh, yeah, I, it's definitely getting worse. It's absolutely getting worse. Um, in terms of the amount of time that these kids are spending on, on phones. And I mean, I, I, I watch these kids and they can't do a push-up. And I know like the kind of 11, 12, 13-year-olds, when I was that age, I could like pump out 100 within a minute. So there's that aspect. And it's not only the screens that's the issue. It's the amount of play that they get to do. So that whole vestibular uh, cerebellum development, eye tracking, you're staring in one spot. There's no... Um, uh, distance regulation with your eyes. You're not going upside down. You're not doing right and left stuff. And all ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, um, all focus-based concentration, even intellect is affected by those parts of the brain. Uh, Even eye tracking, literally looking left to right, far and uh, close, has an effect on on kids' focus, on their cognitive function, on their ability to learn, on their ability to grow their brains and increase their brain cells. And what happens with capoeira is because we're doing the cartwheels and going upside down and handstands and getting dizzy and using the right and the left, crossing that midline, we are getting feedback from the parents saying, like, the, the teacher came to me and said, what, have you put him on concerts? Have you put her on Ritalin? And I'm like, and they said, no, no, we're not. We have done nothing. So are you sure? Because like for the past, they're just focusing and they're concentrating and they like their, their ability to kind of solve problems has improved uh, dramatically. And they came to me and they're like, it's capoeira. It must be capoeira. It's the only thing that has changed. Just having that that function. Yeah. And then there, there's another aspect, which is the dopamine fix. So they're getting this dopamine the whole time. You know, like when we were kids, you, you'd be on a holiday and you're not allowed watching TV or, you know, your father says, go play outside. And you go and you're like, oh, so bored. Yeah. And you lie back and you literally sit and what do you do? You daydream. And you daydream and you think of things and your imagination goes about your life ahead and behind and you know, there's where we had to stimulate our stuff and it might get you excited. You know, if you think about willing a million rand, it's still a dopamine fix, but it's you're doing it. It's not an external source. So we're missing that as well as as adults, as as well as kids, not only the kids. Yeah, no, it's absolutely terrifying. And I think all, most parents are just, we don't know what to do. So we give in um, and then we feel guilty about giving in and then you get angry. So it's a vicious cycle. So somewhere along the line, this has got to stop. And yeah, I think we've got to start thinking of biohacking and starting with our kids. And to start with our kids, we've got to start with ourselves. Because if if we are online into the night, well, how, well it's not fair. Why shouldn't they be? So again, it starts with you. And um, this is where I think, you know, listening to what you're saying is, this is where this is the bio. This is the biohacking is learning about yourself, becoming aware of what you're doing to either take you towards or away from where you want to be in life. Is are your actions, you know, improving your quality of life, or are they diminishing your quality of life? And within us all, we've got the power to change. We absolutely do, even if you feel like you don't. And 
the way that you do that is by finding community, I think, you know, the right community, let's be honest, not the community that will enforce your negative thoughts about what's possible, but finding, you know, what really appeals to me about your, about your capoeira is the energy and that feeling of community. And I mean, that drumming is, for me, it's just the most hypnotic thing. I can sit there all day and listen to that rhythm, but it's the energy and the people and the sense that you know the the body can do whatever you t- want the body to do, for example, and you know it's got, you, it's got the most magnetic um, sense of yeah you know, health. Yes, things can be done, things can be achieved with the right community. So whatever you're building there is certainly got the you know the the energy is aligned, um, and then you know together with your studio you've got Thrive Labs. And all your your entire biohacking sort of offering to people. And what I want to do in, you know, say the next chat we have is actually look at the benefits of the infrared sauna. What are the benefits of the hyperbaric chamber? Who would use these what, when, and how? And um, yeah, over the next couple of weeks, I'm definitely going to be, you know, sampling all of these therapies and um, seeing, you know, from my own perspective, how they benefit. So you know, just to give a first person, uh, to be very honest with you, the ice bath absolutely terrifies me. And for me, if I've got 10 minutes and I've only got 10 minutes to do a biohack or just to do something that is, that I need a quick fix, I need to wake up, even if it's a hangover or just brain fog, then sleep well, whatever the case is, my number one is cold exposure. Cold shower, ice bath, and then I would also do ozone because that's super. Yeah. Okay. So, Let's let's just go in closing here. What are your top, say, three tips for somebody who's really like feeling terrible, utterly exhausted? How do we start putting ourselves back together? Sleep, sun exposure, grounding and intermittent fasting. Okay. So when you say focus on sleep is get into bed a little bit earlier, turn off your laptop a little bit earlier and try and wake up as soon as you can, as close to sunrise as possible. And for maybe three minutes, just get as much sun exposure into your eyes. Exactly. And I don't look directly at the sun after half an hour of sunrise. Like within half an hour of sunrise, you can actually. Okay. Definitely that. And um, I would also say a fantastic kind of rule of thumb is wake up half an hour earlier, whatever the time is. If you normally wake up at... Top for six, wake up at six and just start, start your day slower. Start your day more calm. Don't touch your phone for that first half an hour. Leave your phone alone and allow your thoughts and your everything to kind of come to you during the day because as soon as you start that distraction, you take the distraction and you get distracted for the rest of the day. Just leave it. Start your day without it. Start your day slower, more calmer, a lot of breathing. Okay. So, Mark, thank you so much for today. This is, you know, we can probably talk for another two hours, but we'll break it up into into segments and really look at um, the different therapies as well. Um, Your contact details will obviously be in the show notes. And if anybody listening has got specific questions for Mark to please uh, send these questions via the social media channels. If you've got questions about particular therapies um, applied to different needs and wants, by all means, any questions regarding biohacking, please send them so we can address them directly. Thank you once again for joining me for another episode of the Reinvent Health Podcast. 
As usual, all of my guests' details can be found in the show notes page on Apple Podcast, Anchor, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Please don't forget to rate on Apple and leave a review.